0: CHAPTER THREE OF THE EVIL SHEPHERD BY E. PHILLIPS OPPENHEIM This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The two men occupied a table set against the wall, not far from the entrance to the restaurant, and throughout the progress of the earlier part of their meal were able to watch the constant incoming stream of their fellow guests. They were in their way an interesting contrast physically, neither of them good-looking according to ordinary standards, but both with many pleasant characteristics. Andrew Wilmore, slight and dark, with sallow cheeks and brown eyes, looked very much what he was, a moderately successful journalist and a writer of stories, a keen golfer, a bachelor who preferred a pipe to cigars, and lived at Richmond because he could not find a flat in London which he could afford large enough for his somewhat expansive habits, Francis Ledman was of a sturdier type, with features perhaps better known to the world owing to the constant activities of the cartoonist. His reputation during the last few years had carried him, notwithstanding his comparative youth, he was only thirty five years of age, into the very front ranks of his profession and his income was one of which men spoke with bated breath. He came of a family of landed proprietors, whose younger sons, for generations, had drifted always either to the bar or the law. And his name was well known in the purlieus of Lincoln's Inn before he himself made it famous. He was a persistent refuser of invitations, and his acquaintances in the fashionable world were comparatively few. Yet every now and then he felt a mild interest in the people whom his companion assiduously pointed out to him. "'A fashionable restaurant, Francis, is rather like your law courts. It levels people up,' the latter remarked. Louis, the head waiter, is the judge, and the position allotted in the room is the sentence. "'I wonder,' who is going to have the little table next but one to us some favorite person evidently francis glanced in the direction indicated without curiosity the table in question was laid for two and was distinguished by a wonderful cluster of red roses why is it the novelist continued speculatively that whenever we take another man's wife out we think it necessary to order red roses "'And why is it,' Francis queried, a little grimly, "'that a dear fellow like you, Andrew, "'believes it his duty to talk of trifles for his pal's sake, "'when all the time he is thinking of something else? "'I know you're dying to talk about the Hilditch case, aren't you? "'Well, go ahead.' "'I'm only interested in the last development,' "'Wilmore confessed, of course. "'I read the newspaper reports. "'To tell you the truth, for a murder trial, it seemed to me to rather lack color." "'It was a very simple and straightforward case,' Francis said slowly. "'Oliver Hilditch is the principal partner in an American financial company which has recently opened offices in the West End. He seems to have arrived in England about two years ago, to have taken a house in Hill Street, and to have spent a great deal of money. A month or so ago his partner from New York arrived in London, a man named Jordan, of whom nothing was known. It has since transpired, however, that his journey to Europe was undertaken because he was unable to obtain certain figures relating to the business from Hilditch. Oliver Hilditch met him at Southampton, traveled with him to London, and found him a room at the Savoy. The next day the whole of the time seems to have been spent in the office and it is certain from the evidence of the clerk that some disagreement took place between the two men they dined together however apparently on good terms at the cafe royal and parted in regent street soon after ten at twelve o'clock jordan's body was picked up on the pavement in hill street within a few paces of Hydrick's door He had been stabbed through the heart with some needle-like weapon and was quite dead. "'Was there any vital cause of quarrel between them?' Wilmore inquired. "'Impossible to say,' Francis replied. "'The financial position of the company depends entirely upon the value of a large quantity of speculative bonds.' But as there was only one clerk employed, it was impossible to get at any figures. Hilditch declared that Jordan had only a small share in the business, from which he had drawn a considerable income for years, and that he had not the slightest cause for complaint. "'What were Hilditch's movements that evening?' Wilmore asked. "'Not a soul seems to have seen him, after he left Regent Street,' was the somewhat puzzled answer. His own story was quite straightforward, and has never been contradicted. He let himself into his house with a latch key after his return from the Café Royal, drank a whisky-and-soda in the library, and went to bed before half-past eleven. The whole affair... Francis broke off abruptly in the middle of his sentence. He sat with his eyes fixed upon the door, silent and speechless. "'What in heaven's name is the matter, old fellow?' Wilmore demanded, gazing at his companion in blank amazement. The latter pulled himself together with an effort. The sight of the two new arrivals, talking to Louis on the threshold of the restaurant, seemed for the moment to have drawn every scrap of color from his cheeks. Nevertheless, his recovery was almost instantaneous. "'If you want to know any more,' he said calmly, "'you had better go and ask him to tell you the whole story himself. There he is.' And the woman with him, Wilmore exclaimed under his breath, his wife. End of chapter 3